The supermarket, as some of you may remember, in Garrison Keillor's fictional town of Lake Wobegon, Minnesota, is Ralph's pretty good grocery. If you can't find it at Ralph's, you can get along pretty good without it. We like to think of ourselves as pretty good, too, at least in a relative sense. If we lived in Lake Wobegon, we might introduce ourselves to a newcomer to town as not the worst neighbor you could have. One of the things that makes Keeler's Tales of Lake Wobegon so funny was the way that he captured people's moral, culture, cultural, and religious sensibility. Ralph's Pretty Good Grocery was a pretty good name for a supermarket in a town full of Midwestern Lutherans in which self-aggrandizement was considered extremely gauche. A pretty good grocery suggests quality while acknowledging the fall of man and the limits that that puts on excellence. No sense in getting above ourselves. But if we think of ourselves as pretty good in God's eyes, we err. Would Jesus have had to die if we were really pretty good? In God's eyes, we have never been pretty good. While God certainly loves us, our sin doesn't just tarnish our righteousness in his eyes, it shatters it. Our sin has damaged our relationship with God beyond our ability to repair it. We are not pretty good in God's sight. We are execrable because of our sin, but cleansed, made whole, and worthy to stand before God by Christ's righteousness, which we receive by faith in him. Before God, there are no pretty good people whose righteousness just needs a little topping off in order to enter his kingdom. No, we have no merit to offer God, but depend solely on his grace for salvation and reconciliation with him. As you've heard me say before, God does not meet us halfway in a righteousness bargain. The Lord is our righteousness, as Jeremiah 23, verse 6 reminds us. God delivers us from slavery to sin in much the same way that he delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt. By his initiative, without obligation, and without our assistance. Our ethic of obedience and service is done in gratitude for an undeserved gift rather than to deserve that gift. Using the Ten Commandments as a mirror in which to see ourselves, we cannot consider ourselves pretty good, but as simultaneously beggars and princes, as sinners clothed in the robe of Christ's righteousness, and so made saints. God doesn't think of us, in the words of the Paul Simon song, I Know What I Know, as all right in sort of a limited way for an off night. No, he looks upon us with delight as his marvelous beloved children because of what Christ has done for us. When we start thinking of ourselves as pretty good, when we start giving ourselves credit for God's grace, 
That is precisely when we need purging and humbling. When we need to feel the convicting bite of God's law, like the end of the lash with which Jesus drove the vendors and the money changers from the temple. When God's law reminds us of our utter lack of merit before him, instead of resenting it, we can instead cry with Isaiah, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. We can cry too with the tax collector, praying next to the Pharisee in the temple in Jesus' parable in Luke 18, verse 13, who said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. For as Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12 tells us, Do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Instead of resenting God's law and our inability to justify ourselves, we can acknowledge the truth about ourselves and welcome the one who speaks it, saying with David in Psalm 51, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Some things, our egos for example, need to be overturned, scattered across the temple courtyard, and abandoned so that we rely wholly on the one who can make us clean and provide the righteousness that we lack. Otherwise, we go on trying to do it ourselves, which in addition to being pathetic, is also futile and gets us nowhere with God. Okay, now if you've been a Christian for a while, especially a Lutheran or Reformed one, this is probably not the first time you've heard this message of our absolute poverty before God and our inability to save ourselves. But before you nod off saying, I know, I know, I'm a worm and no man, no good thing can come from me, and therefore I've stopped trying, This is where we need to be reminded by none other than Martin Luther that good works may not be necessary for salvation, but good works are necessary. Not to justify us in God's sight and not because God needs our help, but because our neighbor needs us and God loves our neighbor and died for him too. It's perilously tempting to use our inability to justify ourselves as an excuse to lead a passive, complacent life and to disguise that complacency as humility and even piety. God's law won't let us do that either. As God shows in his as Luther shows in his explanation of the 10 commandments, which includes a positive corollary to every thou shalt not. Not only are we to have no other gods, but we are to fear, love, and trust God above all things. Not only are we not to commit adultery, but we are to lead a sexually pure and decent life in what we say and do, and husband and wife to love and honor each other. 
Not only are we not to bear false witness against our neighbor, but we are to defend him, speak well of him, and put the best construction on everything. Does doing these things save us? No. They are the way of life of those who are saved and the fruit of saving faith. Thanks be to God in whose eyes we are never merely pretty good, but sinner and saint. Thanks be to God who saves sinners like us, despite our lack of anything to offer him except our sin and our gratitude. Thanks be to God who has high expectations of his children and does not hide them from us. Thanks be to God who turns strangers into neighbors and gives us to one another to cherish, encourage, and help. And thanks be to God who chastens those whom he loves, who rouses us from complacency, drives us away from idolatry, and purges us of self-righteousness so that we may depend on and delight in him 